0: Hey there, welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name's
1: Josh. And I'm Steve. Together we invite you to join us as we explore the mysteries of Scripture, the realm of God, and freedom through Christ. So spread out your wings and slither in place because this is Is Snakebird. Snakebird.
0: Hey, welcome Snakebirds to another episode of the Snakebird Podcast. Today we're discussing a question that I believe all followers of God have asked or at least considered in regards to certain activities such as smoking, drinking, eating, and the list goes on. And that question is, when does it become
1: a sin? That's right, guys. Today we're going to be discussing how to balance our habits, thoughts, and actions so they don't become vices because... Good things can turn into sin, and if they do, then things can escalate quickly if we're slow to act accordingly. So this is going to be a really important topic today because our walk with God can be affected by these things. And if you've been a Christian for even a little while, you know that our walk with God, if it's suffering, it throws everything else off like a bad timing belt on a car. So I hope that this episode today leaves us all with a renewed perspective of how important it is to balance and manage even the simplest habits in our lives.
0: That's right. Yeah. And you're coming in with another strong auto mechanic illustration. (laughs) I'm like, why don't I think of those? Oh, yeah, because I I, I play with my computer all day long.
1: (laughs) Well, I don't fix cars. Uh, I just got mechanic friends. That's right. (laughs) I hear them from them.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, I think this episode has the capacity to become really legalistic, or also, we could swing to the other side of the venom and, and become super libertarian. and uh, that's that's, true. that's kind of why I love Snakebird because our goal is to strike the balance and not land on either side necessarily.
1: yeah, unless it needs to be landed on.
0: <laughs> yes, of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for me, growing up as not only a Christian but also a pastor's kid, there was a stigma that surrounded a lot of these things. And in fact, they became almost like forbidden fruit because of the restricted nature that was placed on them and i generally believe that most conservative households have a very strict view on some of the things that we'll discuss and honestly that mindset for me has been hard to overcome or face with the truth of god's word without becoming i will call him a critical carl
1: yeah, real talk. So the kids say these days. Yeah. That that is so true. Mm-hmm. That you, there is such a um, there's such a view in a lot of households. I don't know if it's generational per se. I think it is though. Yeah. Um. Just how you look at certain things. I, I even remember a time when I was in a rebellious stage and I, I started smoking cigarettes. And I remember seeing someone else who I knew. Went to church, the the same church I did. Mm -hmm. I saw them smoking. I was like, oh, look at that. I had a cigarette in my hand. I was like, why? It clicked in my head. I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, for me,
0: the the day I turned 18, I was like, I just want to buy a cigar because I was allowed to at that time. Now the smoking age is 21. But I went down in our small town that I was in and bought uh, two cigars from the corner store. And as I walked out with them in my hand, I saw um, a youth leader that I was actually talking to about leading worship for their youth group, and my hand went immediately behind my back. <sighs> like, oh, man. Did you burn your backside? Dude, so fast. <laughs> well, no, I, I, they were brand new in their packaging. Oh, but okay. I, I had them so fast behind my back yeah. that I must have looked... Like I just robbed a bank, so guilty, and uh, I didn't get the job of leading worship for that group individually or at any time. So you were a smoker. Well, I'd never even done it before. I think I hated those cigars. They were the grossest things I'd ever purchased.
1: Yeah, but you were a smoker.
0: <laughs> well, and I, I mean, now looking back in in reality, I should have just held them there and owned it. Yeah, but. To me, at that time, it wasn't right, and I I knew it wasn't right, and so there is that. There's a conscience
1: involved, exactly. Which we'll will address that, yeah. I'm sure, in a few of these.
0: Yeah, and there's that legalism versus liberty discussion that I mean has to be had as we filter through all of these.
1: Yeah, that's very true. Good point on that too. It's gonna it's gonna be a snakebird topic.
0: Yes, that's right for sure because we never want to use our liberty to sin, but we also don't want to walk in legalism because. We know that legalism does nothing for us. It's not going to save us. Yeah. All it's going to do is make us into modern-day
1: Pharisees. That's true. Because you you start you start looking at it that way, and it starts becoming about uh, the tallies that you check off the list. Exactly. Yeah. So as we're discussing this, we're going to be talking about. Um, habits in general, but also good ones that can turn bad, ones that are bad to start off with. And the word vice in itself, I was surprised to find as many definitions as I did. Uh, I couldn't help but think of a book I've read by Timothy Keller called Counterfeit Gods, which seems to be all about this idea of the vice, something uh, else to fulfill you other than God. Mm -hmm. Um, But I thought it'd be helpful to look at some of these definitions real quick. Okay, so the first thing to point out that I saw American English makes a distinction between vice with a C, which is moral depravity, and vice with an S, which is a tool. Um, (laughs) However, that distinction is not made in British English, where vice is used for both senses. Now, I think this might be the most un-American thing I've ever said in my life, but I think I might prefer the British way here. Mm. Um, To add a third aspect to it, vice as a preposition would be in the place of. Um, In the place of, I will preside as in like vice, the absent chairman. So to take the place of something else. Mm. Now, the thing I find fascinating is that using the word vice truly does represent what happens with sin. Um, As in the first definition, speaking to moral depravity, then as a tool, it begins to master you, squeezing you tighter and tighter. Then as a preposition, the old nature taking place of what should be a new creation. Mm. So I found uh, the word vice just interesting in itself. And I have a, a verse that I kind of go to um, from here in James one fourteen through 15. But before we get there, is it you have any thoughts on, on vices, Josh?
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a really interesting uh, point that you made. I found one definition um, that a vice is an immoral or wicked personal characteristic. And I, I really like the correlation of you saying that it's also that tool because, I mean— even though I'm not very mechanically inclined, I have used a vice before. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, you, you crank down on that sucker. And once it gets a hold, mm-hmm. unless something releases it, it ain't letting go. Yeah. You know, and that's the that's what a vice is for. You use it to hold something while you're working with it. But in the context that we're talking about it as sin, that makes perfect sense.
1: Yeah, it really it really does. And James 1, 14 through 15 reads this way. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. So that, that kind of describes this idea of a vice, how it just gets tighter and tighter until it brings forth death, mm-hmm. which is the terrifying picture. Yeah. It's, it really is.
0: Yeah, sin is that disease that locks on, and unless you get some kind of cure, it, exactly, it will kill you. Yeah,
1: and so I, I personally laid out um, some tips for troubleshooting our condition. In, in this, is this? Uh, you, you have any more on that, Josh? No, go for it. Okay, so. I think of like malware when our antivirus starts to scan the computer for potential threats, and then it pops up a red flag that says, this might be a threat. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought it'd be a good idea to lay out some red flags that we might have a virus brewing. So number one, is my effectiveness as a Christian suffering from this? Fill in the blank, whatever it is. Um, This could include uh, the idea of grieving the Holy Spirit that we see in Ephesians 4, verse 30. Number two, Am I dependent on this or am I becoming dependent upon this? Um, This could be as simple as caffeine or as complex as drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. Um, Number three, is my conscience clear while doing this? Uh, There could be a few reasons that our conscience is not clear. Um, One, we really shouldn't be doing it. Another one would be someone's making us feel guilty for it. Or another would be, it's just a situation that gives you unease no matter what Mm -hmm. happens. Sometimes we just, there's those things. Um, Number four, if this habit has been red flagged as a threat, how long have I been in this state? Um, this will help determine if I'm serious about eliminating the threat or still willing to cling to it. Yeah, so those are four things that I, I kept asking myself, even in my own life, because I mean doing this study for this episode, i I was forced to look at things that I do currently and that I've done. And so uh, those are four things that i uh, I thought were good um, troubleshoot uh, tools.
0: Yeah. And one that I would add to that is, does my practice of this habit affect the people that I love in my leading or my exemplifying of Jesus to them?
1: Yeah, that's, yeah.
0: Because if it changes, that's so important. yeah. I mean, that's the whole meat sacrifice to idols discussion where, you know, Paul was like, Hey, all things are lawful. You can have this, this meat. Um, but once you find out that it causes your brother to stumble, then are you going to go ahead and sacrifice that liberty for their salvation, for their well-being.
1: Yeah. Balancing what's liberty and what's going to make them stumble, even if it is okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Man, what a snakebird topic. (laughs) So, yeah, it's important to distinguish between some of these things, because if you're on the right track and for whatever reason... Uh, someone wants to guilt you out of the right decision or actions uh, or the situation is just difficult to navigate, then you shouldn't abandon your path because of that. Um, but on the other hand, if you're truly sinning against your conscience and willfully ignoring obvious people and signs put in, in your way, in your path to help you, then you should be honest with yourself to avoid future hurt.
0: Yes. Yeah, the the way I described it, I think you said it already, is that is this something that if you took it out of your life that you felt like you couldn't live without? And I mean, there's that's a scary proposition, Yeah, you know, because I mean, this one's probably the funniest one. But you have people that go, I cannot get out of bed without my morning coffee. Mm-hmm. And I understand that caffeine to a degree is a drug. And I've seen people that have gone on those detox situations without it. And they're like, man, I've just got this incredible headache. And I mean, that's a real thing. It's real. Yeah. But I also feel like. Well, I love coffee, and I really enjoy the taste of it, and I enjoy that spring in my step. That's not something that I want to have as a crutch in my life. Going, I cannot live without it.
1: Yeah, and you know something that is is always intrigued me, and I think is is beneficial from time to time. Um, and I didn't even think about this till just now, but like kind of like Lent with the Catholics, mm-hmm. where they they go without. Um, what is it, red meat or something? Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I I was thinking about for our own, whatever it is that we we find ourselves kind of leaning towards, I have to have this, Mm -hmm. to go on a type of Lent or a type of just, you know what? A season of fasting. I'm going to fast from this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to withdraw my pleasure with this for the glory of God to see what he wants to say in my life. Yeah. That's a really really cool thing to do from time to time because although it's hard sometimes to give up sugar or caffeine or you know, whatever it may be, um, it's, it's a good thing to, to give that some thought. Maybe take a fast. Mm -hmm. I I agree. And
0: I feel like there are like, we're going to discuss, there's that point where it becomes, um, no longer a habit or even necessarily maybe something that you're just like, I enjoy this. And I, it's the Bible says to this line, it's not a sin, past that it becomes a vice I also feel like there are types of individuals that have an addictive nature yes and I think to be more aware of that in our lives is a very good like you said tip to watch out for that malware going hey am I more susceptible to falling into needing something like this on a daily basis
1: or whatever it might be for sure for sure that's a good point so before uh, we get into some specific vices, um, I, I wanted to point out that uh, vices are present when the Spirit is not. Um, we've talked several times in previous episodes about the fruit of the Spirit, and in case you haven't memorized them, um, I'll, I'll just read them real quick in Galatians five twenty two. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now these fruits of the Spirit are naturally would emerge when walking in the Spirit, and the fascinating thing to me is in verse twenty three where it says against such things there is no law. So if, if the natural product of walking in the spirit are these fruits, then the verse twenty three suggests an alternative through the law. And I know that you've likely heard the antonyms for each of the fruits. I'm not going to go into all that. But uh, the suggestion here is that the natural result of the law reveals vices through sin. Because Romans 7, 5 says this, For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us, so that we bore fruit for death. And I, I was just like, what a thing to see here, because the law actually arouses a sinful fruit in opposition to the righteous fruit of the Spirit. Mm. And um, one thing is certain, if we're walking in the Spirit, then the vices of sin will not take hold in a devastating way. Will we struggle with certain things? Always, yes. Uh, but in a devastating way, they won't take a hold of us. So I thought that was just something to, to point out before we got into some of these specific sins or vices. Or, and, you know, it's, it's going to be hard to categorize some of this because <laughs> right. some isn't a sin until it becomes a sin. Exactly. Um, and, and the first one on my list is, is alcohol but I don't know. Is that where you go next? That's where I went first (laughs) as well. So alcohol, it it can be, and it is a very dangerous vice for so many people. Uh, 15 million people in the United States as of 2015 were living with this vice. Um, The numbers are no doubt higher now, I would imagine, but six people a day die from being overwhelmed by alcohol. And so it's something that does, I mean, the whole, you think about prohibition, how it was made illegal because it was affecting so many people. Mm-hmm. So, so um, it, it turns some people into raging criminals. Others just use it to escape their own mind without physically hurting anyone else. Uh, it's a social tool for some and a social distancing tool for others. So what are your thoughts on alcohol, Josh? Is it a sin? That's the million dollar question.
0: Yeah. Well, it is a sin after a certain point. And it's one of those things where um, up until that point, it can be a good thing. Uh, It can be something that uh, allows people to just gather together. It actually can be used um, not as medicine necessarily, but it can be used for uh, people's hearts. You know, they say a glass uh, of red red wine wine. every night. You know, I just found out that from 1995 until just this year, the suggestion uh, for those that want to drink um It was two drinks a day for men and one drink a day for women if you are a drinker, yeah. and then they just reduced that to one. For everyone, really, so, yeah. They those said,
1: those studies they do, <laughs> yeah. But then
0: they made sure to say that just because you don't drink on one day, that you can't like stymie them all, you know? uh, like, <laughs> like line like them all over, over minutes on a phone. Yeah. <laughs> you can't roll them all over for one day. Like,
1: well, I didn't have any this week, so I can have seven. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, wow. they said that's not helpful. Well, yeah, and I've I've heard the aspect of you say medicine. I mean, the some people who. I would dare to say that if alcohol could help you tame your mind rather than take Xanax or something, mm-hmm. I would say it's a better alternative medicinally. But, um, I mean, that's obviously debatable, and yeah. it's, a, it's a topic that there, people are not going to always agree on. But, um, I you know, I've heard people throw out the line, well, Jesus drank wine. Mm-hmm. And I've heard other people um, completely disregard that. I've actually heard it said that, well, ancient wine didn't have alcohol in it. That's so not true. Yeah. I I, I heard that as an argument, like they were really behind it. uh, And I was like, why did it tell you not to get drunk then?
0: (laughs) Well, I've heard the argument that it was like different amounts of alcohol versus our wine today because of the process. Yeah. But
1: it's still a week. Considering (laughs)
0: that, um, was it, uh, lot who got drunk so drunk that his daughter's, Yes, took advantage of him. Both of them on different nights, think like of, yeah. consecutive nights. That alcohol had to be pretty two percent
1: alcohol or not. He drank a lot.
0: <laughs> he drank a lot. He was think of Noah. He was sloshed. Yeah, Noah to the point where his nakedness was exposed. Yeah.
1: And... So I mean, it's it's obviously <laughs> we have the t- the two sides of the pendulum there: Jesus and and those guys. Mm-hmm. So they're a healthy and a not healthy.
0: Yeah. And then, well, you talk about medicinal, or I, I had mentioned medicinal because Paul, in writing to Timothy, he says, no longer drink only water, but also use a little wine for your stomach's sake because of your frequent infirmities. And they were saying that the water that they had access to back then may not have been the the most pure. So no. at least uh, through the fermenting process, the, the wine had some form of purification
1: gotcha. uh, through it. Okay. Well, yeah. So you see, you see those verses and then, and then you read in like 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10, where drunkards are categorized not to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. And you see in like Isaiah five twenty two, woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and champions at mixing drinks. There are so many verses that speak against the excessive use of alcohol, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but some people would be like, so where, might you ask, should you stand on alcohol? Where do you draw that balance?
0: I think Ephesians 5.18 draws that balance really well. Do not be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit.
1: Yeah, Ephesians 5:18 is a great a great verse and it's it's an intriguing one for me because I I see if you're drunk it almost there's a taking away of what God can do with the spirit that should be in you. And it's a, it's just that's a fascinating thing for me to think about.
0: Well, and I think you said this again in your um warning system, you know, early on. You were talking about how what is this leading to? And I, I think of, are you trying to fill a hole? Is that that God shaped hole that you're trying to fill? And like you said, um, what if you are filling yourself with wine, which means that there may be a, a no cavity for the Holy spirit in a sense. And, and yeah. that's not spiritually, you know, represented there, but
1: well, if you're not walking in the spirit and it's already in in a state where, because we know that sin separates us from God. So If you're already in a state of of a separation Mm -hmm. by choice, um, then alcohol could be a vice that comes in to fill that. And then it gets even worse from
0: there. Yeah. And the mind-altering aspect of it where it's hard to actually walk in the spirit when you're like just... Sloshed. Yeah. Yeah. You're You're not thinking correctly. You're not of the right mind. And that's
1: why it's so dangerous with anything that alters the mind Mm -hmm. because it takes you out of that. But honestly, um, this can only... Really, be balanced in each of our lives. Um, it, it can only be answered by you, listener. Mm-hmm. And it's because of Romans fourteen five, where we see that each one is to be convinced in their own mind. We kind of touched on that already, but um, the verse is speaking about what day people choose to worship. But the point being made is that of the conscience. Uh, the rest of Romans 14 describes how we should, one, be considerate of our brothers and sisters in what we approve of, but two, do not judge them for what they approve of. Yeah. And so, again, that balance, but it sums it up in verse 22 through 23. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves, but whoever has doubt is condemned. Mm. So... Sinning against your conscience is something you need to put serious thought into. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't be just um, indifferent, oh, it doesn't matter, this or that, because... like you said there's some things that are a sin to one person and it's not to another it's not black and white mm-hmm. there's that because the conscience is involved
0: yeah and i also think we have to be honest with ourselves especially if, you know when you start drinking if anyone's out there drinking then you have to be honest with yourself about where is that line for me because it's like um the government through uh policing they have a line to say if you're over this uh blood alcohol content level then you are considered legally drunk Mm -hmm. but i know a lot of people are like i am fine And, and not to say that you would be operating a vehicle in this state but anyone out there has to be honest with themselves about you know where is that line and am i close to approaching it you know um because And, and unfortunately in that state, a lot of times your judgment becomes, um, a little bit less compromised. Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's, and, and like you said, well, and we, we've talked about it several times already is, is it is for one, it's not for another. Mm -hmm. For me, I have a very addictive personality. Um, I suffered for many years, um, with pills and alcohol and among other things, but um, alcohol was something that took over my life for a long time, and God broke me out of that. And I was sober for five years, and at one point, it was a weird, now I wasn't even planning on sharing this, but it, it was a weird moment where for some time, I almost had a, um, because I was sober for so long, it almost became a sense of pride. Mm-hmm. And it was a beautiful thing because God delivered me from it, but then it turned into a look what i've done for so long. Mm-hmm. And so, i was battling those ideas and then i had this horrendous thing that happened that was just the worst day ever. And that coupled with that idea, i was like, you know what? I'm just going to I'm I'm done with the pride aspect. This is the worst day i've had in 10 years, and i decided to have a glass of wine. Now, it was very uh razor's edge because a tidal wave of old feelings come back, old addiction. Now I, I wasn't I wasn't the same person I was before because mm-hmm. God has done a lot of work with me. But I even today have to be very careful. Um could I have a glass of wine or or an alcoholic beverage from time to time? I could and I'll probably be alright. And I have a couple times. But I can't toy with it very much mm-hmm. because of my personality. Yeah. I know that I have a certain distance I need to keep. Yes. And so, and we all have to judge that for ourselves.
0: Well, that's where legalism comes into play. Cause from a sense of pride, I can say that I've never been drunk, but I've, I've had some drinks before and I just don't really like the taste. Yeah. <laughs> I found something uh, a few weeks back that I was like, Oh, that's not too bad. But for me, um, the denomination that I grew up in the pastor that of the whole like movement, he was very, very, very concerned about people misunderstanding him um, actually drinking. So yeah. he would he would toe the line to a, a, a very umpteenth degree to make sure that no one thought that he had an issue because he didn't want anyone to stumble. And so yeah. to, to give you an example is when he would go to the grocery store, he wouldn't even buy a bottle of Martinelli sparkling cider. Because he didn't want somebody to see it on the
1: and think it on was, the belt
0: and think it was wine, wow, yeah. and or some type of alcohol. And I I appreciate that because the Bible does talk about how church leadership is not to be given or addicted to, uh, overruled yes. by um, alcohol. And so I see it from that standpoint. But to to my um, Dismay. It became more of a pride or a Pharisee thing in my heart where it's like, well, I don't drink and you shouldn't either, you know, and to the point where, again, if I see somebody drink, I have to overcome my judgment of them and go, hey, they're just enjoying it. It is up mm-hmm. to the person yes. to say, "Hey, I'm a Christian, and I could be under scrutiny of non-believers of how I conduct myself while I'm having these beverages, if I should have another or another or another." Yeah, and so it does come down to that. You said that personal choice and that that matter of the conscience.
1: Yeah, and and that's why I, I did I did appreciate the. Uh, uh, verse 22 of, of Romans 14, it says, whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Mm-hmm. Because I, I've even heard some preachers say, well, if you feel that you have to hide it from someone else, then it's sin. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's not true. I mean, you might not want them to stumble. Yes. Now, if you're hiding it because it's a sin for you, that's yeah. a different story. No. Yeah. But um, it, it's all about the, the balance of is, is this affecting me uh, as a Christian? Is my Christian walk suffering from this? Am I dependent on this? Um, Is my conscience clear while doing it? And keep these questions asked in your head because the the troubleshooting, the red flags.
0: Yeah, and Proverbs talks a lot about this. I don't know if you've read these verses. I'm sure you have. But it's um, King Solomon, who I believe had his fair share of drunken nights. He went on to write this. Who has anguish? Who has sorrow? Who is always fighting? Who is always complaining? Who has unnecessary bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? It is the one who spends long hours in the taverns trying out new drinks, Don't gaze at the wine, seeing how red it is, how it sparkles in the cup, how smoothly it goes down, for in the end it bites like a poisonous snake, it stings like a viper, you will see hallucinations and you will say crazy things, you will stagger like a sailor tossed at sea, clinging to a swaying mast, and you will say, they hit me, but I don't feel it, I didn't even know it when they beat me up, when will I awake so I can look for another drink? And he was writing that from the mindset.
1: Um, I was going to say, the fact that he described it the way he did, you know that he had a night of of, of <laughs> sloshed upness. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> his, his, he was describing a
0: really drunk night. His favorite joke was, what comes before part B? <laughs> Parte." <A.
1: laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh,
0: that's called Josh sneaks another dad joke
1: into the podcast. <laughs> that's one of those I can't be held responsible for what I did when I was blackout drunk,
0: <laughs> which, unfortunately, some of the folks that I used to work with, it seems like they were living for that on the weekend and, yes. and to the point of being miserable the next day. But then, uh, even what they would call rallying to get you know back into it, and mm-hmm. and it's almost like this. Um, it's like this challenge mentality of like, I drink, you drink, you drink, I drink, I drink, yeah. you know, and they're just, again, that, that, Drinking to get drunk is where the danger lies.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and you know, sometimes uh, this stuff, like a vice, it starts slow and then it squeezes. it. Sometimes it can be from a ben- like a medicinal standpoint in your mind. You're like, I had the roughest day. I just need to relax. And that does relax yeah. you. And then it can turn into those other things. Yeah. Because once you start becoming dependent on it, um, you, you really need to find out how to be content in all things, like mm-hmm. Paul said. Uh, that's done through dependence. Dependence on God, not alcohol.
0: And and if you're listening and you're saying, well, I cope on this stuff, then now it might be a time to look for some help, to talk to somebody about it, to say, hey, I don't want to be dependent on this. I want to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. I want to be dependent upon God's grace. And so there is freedom from this.
1: There is. You know, one of the, I I read a book by, um, I think his name's David Head Welch from, from Corn. Oh, yeah. And um, I, I remember Brian. one Brian Head yeah. Welch. That's right. Um, he said, in uh, one of the lines in his book, he 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 had mentioned that he you know he had done hard hard drugs, and he said, um, the Holy Spirit and God. I'm paraphrasing. There's nothing stronger than that. Mm-hmm. And I did heroin and speed and med- what all the crazy stuff he did. Yeah. And and that's true. I mean, when you can break away from the lies that Satan tells you about these vices. Um, and you taste what it's like with God helping you through something dependence on him. Mm -hmm. There's nothing better than that. And the peace that comes with that, uh, the world is dark on the other side. You got light. I mean, for days when, when, when you're doing it the right way.
0: And not everybody's journey to freedom
1: from that dependence is the same. Exactly. Oh, a very good point. Yeah. Yeah so that's uh that's alcohol guys y'all are gonna have to ask yourself some questions on that one and, and decide your stance and keep it between you and god yeah so um you got what you got one josh next? sure uh,
0: let's jump into smoking <laughs> smoking yeah so um okay a couple questions is it good for you
1: uh no, it's not. <laughs> not really, no. <laughs> you know, they, they I don't they, think uh, any, you can say it's good for you.
0: <laughs> no, they say these are your lungs after smoking for so long and yeah. And honestly it
1: it has its risks. Now smoking uh,
0: what? Uh, smoking cigarettes okay. or cigars or a pipe.
1: Okay, I just we'll, had to... <laughs> we'll, we'll go there right now. <laughs> I didn't now. know if we were talking Colorado or the rest of us. So, <laughs> <laughs> which will soon
0: be the rest of us. Yeah. Um, but it has its risk, and so does everything else in life. I found um, an article that was like kind of pro smoking, and I was really interested in reading this because it's like, come on, you you want one right now, don't you? And I was like, no. But um, it's it's strongly addictive, and I think that. You know, we have to be careful. Uh, Somebody quoted this verse when I was kind of looking at different verses. And this uh, contextually usually talks about sexual immorality, but it says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? And I thought, well, that's a very condemning verse. And it's one of those things where, again... I think that you have to know where the the sin line is. And, and as we talk about this line, this is not a line that we want to go up to the edge of it and go, ah, and play around on it. Because yeah. like you said, you said that line was razor thin for an uh, instance that you had had. Yeah. But let me, I'll do a confession here. I like a cigar um, like once every other month or every couple of months. Yeah. And it's not something that I feel like, I have to have, and it's not something that I couldn't just go, oh, I'll never do it again and be okay. You know, it's yeah. fine. And uh, I,
1: I enjoy one from time to time myself.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I, I think that again, at that line where you go, I cannot live without it, mm-hmm. or I'm really going to struggle if it's yeah. not in my life, then it becomes a vice. Yeah. But I found this illustration and then this is a pastor who used to smoke, um, a long time ago. It says, uh, just, Bear with me. It said, Last Sunday evening, Mr. Spurgeon, we always reference um, Charles Spurgeon, Mm -hmm. uh, before beginning his sermon announced that he should not preach long that night because he wished his friend, Mr. Pentecost, who was on the platform to say a few words to the congregation. Mr. Spurgeon then gave his earnest address on the words, I cried with a whole heart, hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. Under thee I cried, save me, and I shall keep thy testimonies. He spoke strongly and plainly upon the necessity of giving up sin in order to success in prayer for quickening, or repentance is what we would more say, as the evidence of sincerity. Mr. Spurgeon, in concluding his discourse, said, Now then, perhaps Brother Pentecost will give you the application of that sermon. Brother Pentecost is an open communion Baptist minister of the American city of Boston. He responded at once to Mr. Spurgeon's call. And stepping into the front of the platform, he gave some excellent remarks on the latter portion of the text. With much simplicity and force of manner, referring to one part of Mr. Spurgeon's sermon, he gave us an interesting bit of his personal experience. He said some years ago, he had had the cry awakened his heart, quicken thou me. He desired to be more completely delivered from sin, and he prayed that God would show him anything which presented his more complete devotion to him. He was willing, he thought, to give up anything and everything if only he might realize the desire of his heart. Well, he said, amidst the profound silence and attention of the immense congregation, what do you think it was that the Lord required of me? He did not touch me in my church, my family, my property, or my possessions, but the one thing I liked exceedingly— the best cigar which could be bought. He then told us that the thought came into his mind, could he relinquish this indulgence if its relinquishment would advance his piety? He tried to dismiss the idea as mere fancy or scruple, and it came again and again to him, and he was satisfied that it was the still small voice which was speaking. He remembered having given up smoking by the wish of his ministerial brethren when he was twenty-one years of age for four years. But then he had resumed the habit, for he declared during that four years he never saw or smelt a cigar which he did not want to smoke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How however he felt it to be his duty to give it up again, and so unequal did he feel the self-denial that he took his cigar box before the Lord and he cried to him for help this help he imitated had been given and the habit renounced Mr. Spurgeon whose smoking propensities are well known instantly rose at the conclusion of Mr. Pentecost's address with a somewhat playful smile and said and this is where I feel like there's a lot of application to this not only for smoking but for a lot of the other things that we're talking about this is what Spurgeon said well dear friends you know that some men can do to the glory of God what to other men would be sin? And notwithstanding what Brother Pentecost has said, I intend to smoke a good cigar to the glory of God before I go to bed tonight. (laughs) (laughs) If anybody can show me in the Bible the command, Thou shalt not smoke, I am ready to keep it, but I haven't found it yet. I find 10 commandments, and it's as much as I can do to keep them. And I have no desire to make them into 11 or 12. The fact is, I have been speaking to you about real sins, not about listening to mere quibbles and scruples. At the same time, I know what a man believes. Leaves to be sin becomes a sin to him, and he must give it up. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin, which is what Romans fourteen twenty three says, and that is the real point of what my brother Pentecost has been saying. Why a man may think it a sin to have his boots blacked, which is an old timey saying of like having your your shoes all scuffed up. Well then, let him give it up and have them whitewashed. Let him clean his sneakers. Yeah. I wish to say that I am not ashamed of anything that I do, and I don't feel that smoking makes me ashamed, and therefore I mean to smoke to the glory of God. I, I don't know why. I just I love Spurgeon's stories, especially even ones where he's calling people out. And the neat thing is that they both landed in a, in a heart of righteousness on a subject that divided them. Yeah. Because Pentecost said for me, God revealed in my heart that it's a sin and I gave it up. Yeah. But Charles Spurgeon says, it's not a sin to me. God has not revealed that to me. And in fact, I can go do it right before I go to bed and glorify him through this. And so, You know, we talk about vices. The only time that I think that smoking becomes a vice, especially in our hearts, is when it becomes more important than God, when it takes that wrong place, when you can't live without it. And I think that's what Spurgeon was trying to say, is that Mm -hmm. if God reveals it to my heart that I am sinning, it's gone.
1: Yeah, that's true, and you know I do. I do think of this too, though, because like with alcohol, that there is there is an understanding that it can be good for you if in moderation. I don't know if even in the smallest way smoking is ever good for you. So yeah. I do see that too, and and I, well, I've already admitted I like to have a cigar <laughs> every now and then, but I, I do understand both sides of it.
0: Well, I'm wondering if smoking doesn't necessarily relieve tension at times for people.
1: Well, that, yes. But yes. but it, it is never good for your body. No. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe for your, your nerves. Yeah. Which I guess could be, it could be argued, I guess. Yeah. But it, it, yeah, I, I get, you know, and I wonder in Spurgeon's Day, because back in the day, they didn't realize smoking even caused cancer.
0: That's true.
1: So I don't know if that was a thing yeah. during Spurgeon's Day or not. Yeah. And they
0: didn't, they didn't even have some of the, maybe the the nerve-reducing... Um, medicine available. So it
1: might have been more medicinal back then than it is now. Exactly. And now we got Xanax. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which is much better. <laughs> uh, obviously, oh, a joke there. But yeah, no, just to be a snake birdie and, and yeah. ad, devil's advocate. And,
0: and there was another anecdote where he actually gave up smoking to show this guy, like, I can do it as well. And, yes, and it's kind of. To
1: show it wasn't advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah.
0: So, I mean do christian smoke yes are they saved absolutely are they gonna die from it possibly they might but are they gonna die from something else yes yeah so i mean you know it all it it depends on how it affects your family. You know, you, you see somebody that dies with lung cancer and you're like, it could have not happened, but then maybe they die from, you know, a heart attack. So
1: I'm, it sounds like I'm like, I'm like heart attack, heart attack caused by, by artery disease from smoking. It
0: sounds like I've got Phil Morris, like waiting in the wings to, is it Philip Morris? Yeah. Right. Hand me a check or something. But I just, you boys done good.
1: Well, I've got the evangelicals too. Now
0: (laughs) there was so, Long. There was so long that I was so judgmental about people that smoked. And I mean, I've been around full on smokers. And I think a full on smoker, you know, you have to wonder if that is a vice because of the fact that it holds on to you, you know, and yeah. you're like, I got to have my it, cigarettes and all that. And it kills that. you. Yes. When you're at that level, yes, and I mean, unfortunately, I've been around some of those that are like smoker, 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 and it it smells, and sometimes it changes the color of your teeth. So yeah. that I think can be really dangerous. But
1: again, makes your hair gray. Yeah, there skin's you go. nasty, wrinkles, and all I that. I work with some. I know okay, <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> I'm, so
1: I'm, I'm, I don't. No, mean to make, I'm just saying. I don't like, mean to make a joke. No, I, I totally agree. It's it's something you have to decide for yourself. Mm-hmm. Is it? taken to that limit or not mm-hmm. just it becomes a matter of conscience yeah absolutely
0: hey snake birds we're going to cut away and end this first part of the discussion here we'll pick back up next time with part two of asking when does it become a sin
1: that's right guys and don't forget to reach out to us direct message us on facebook or email us we would love to hear from you ideas for topics or prayer requests whatever it may be we would love to hear from you
0: and while you're at it, please, if you feel so inclined, uh, hit that subscribe button. That would mean a lot to us. Or if you even want to take it a step further and the Snakebird podcast is affecting you deeply, we'd ask that you'd uh, go on and leave us a rating and a review. Uh, that means a lot. And it really helps with, uh, getting our name out there with algorithms. And, and if you're on Facebook and you see a link for an episode, please share that to your page as well. That'd be awesome. And, uh, Always snake birds. Remember whatever you do,
1: wherever you go,
0: no matter what life
1: throws at you, there's never been a better time to follow the words of Jesus. And be a, a snake snakebird. Bird.